Good morning, people of God. Oh my goodness, it is too beautiful to uh, just... Good morning, people of God! Amen! Woo! And welcome and thank you for joining us both in person and for those of you joining us online on this beautiful Sunday morning. Oh my goodness, it was so nice. I had to wear shorts. It was just... I had no choice. If you wouldn't have said that, People watching online would not have known. I know, right? I just, I'll, I'll stand like this. Yeah, you can't, can't I got pants on. Not, no. <laughs> just saying. It's all good. God loves us even when we wear shorts. Yes. Some announcements for us this morning. Uh, first off, hopefully you all received a Holy Communion kit on your way in. Anyone who didn't raise their hand. And for those of you at home, uh, please be sure to have your bread and your wine or grape juice ready following our time, uh, our sermon time today. Uh, a couple of other announcements. Next Sunday on the 17th, we will be hosting a meet and greet for our nursery. How fun is that? We have uh, uh, five people who have stepped forward to be on our nursery staff now, which means we get to have a nursery every Sunday. So that's exciting. If you have children who would like to you know, be in the nursery, uh, come and meet them next Sunday between 1045 and 1215. In two weeks, on Sunday, July 24th, we will be packing hopefully 10,000 meals, if not more, for Kids Against Hunger. Uh, if you want to be a part of that, first of all, you can jump onto our website and sign up. Let us know you are coming. Uh, it'll be following our services on that 24th. Uh, if you want to help support that financially, there are envelopes on the pillar in the entryway. You just grab whatever number of how much you want to donate. If that number is gone... We will still take whatever you're willing to donate. How fun is that, right? (laughs) You can't just say, oh, I really wanted 23 and it's not up there. I guess I better go to, you know, Starbucks. No. (laughs) Uh, So that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, Really excited about that. Of course, uh, Kids Against Hunger, uh, it's a dehydrated rice and uh, vegetable with nutrients and minerals and vitamins and all that stuff. It's a wonderful meal that can go anywhere it needs to go. So those people suffering from natural disasters, uh, food shelves, all that, it has a long uh, shelf life. It's a wonderful thing to do. Just add water and boil, and it turns out to be a pretty tasty meal. So that's what we're packing in a couple of weeks. Uh, VBS is happening in three weeks. Holy cow. So be sure to, one, sign up your kids, grandkids, neighbor kids, ask their parents first, but, uh, uh, you know, sign anyone and everyone up to come and participate. If you are an adult and you at least can put up with kids, you can come and uh, serve with us. Otherwise, there is a board in the entryway that has a list of things that we need to collect. So if you have some time over the next three weeks and the ability to grab, you know, some of those products or things that we need, just take it off the board and bring it back with you in the next couple of weeks. I think all the details are on it, like when they would be doing all that stuff. Uh, let's see. Uh, I did want to share yesterday we had a, a barbecue for the families and the kids who are going to be going to Bible camp starting next week. We're going to have a special prayer time for them, which is fun. See, Beth, Beth is a huge part of... Um, the, the camping ministry here in the ELCA in the, in the state of Michigan. Uh, so we're excited about that as well. We, we had way too much fun, which I think is going to be really a great time for these kids. Okay, so next week, St. Vincent de Paul is going to be bringing a truck and parking it in our parking lot here. And they would be collecting any, you know, nice or, or new or gently used, um, clothes, shoes, 
anything like that, right? Uh, and that's from 9 until 2 on Saturday and 9, 9 to noon on Saturday and starting at 9 on Sunday. Awesome. Thank you for that announcement as well. Oh, Lord God, your mercy delights us and the world longs for your loving care. Hear the cries of everyone in need and turn our hearts to love our neighbors with the love of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and all of God's people say, Amen. Please be seated. Well, sisters, brothers, dear ones, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our gospel reading, we're going to jump right into it, comes to us from the book of Luke, the 10th chapter, starting in verse 25. It's the story known as the Good Samaritan. Sorry, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I'm just curious, by show of hands out there, how many of you have either heard this parable or know that there is a parable known as the Good Samaritan? Wow, okay, every single hand. Of course you have, right? I'd be willing to bet even people who have never stepped foot in a church, people who have never opened up their Bible, have at least heard about a good Samaritan. We've lifted up this story and this Samaritan as an example of what we should strive for as Christians, to treat any and all people with kindness, offering whatever we can to help. Well, I have to admit that this parable has never been one of my favorites. In fact, up until maybe this morning, I don't even know if I liked it. <laughs> and I, and I, I just, I don't even have the tiniest bit of guilt admitting that. Because, well, I think this parable has become more confusing to me than ever before. I don't know, maybe it's because it's so well-known, so famous, everyone already thinks they know what it means. 
so it's hard to find a fresh angle. Or maybe it's because too often this parable is boiled down to some quaint moralism where being a good Samaritan means being a do-gooder. And therefore, the message that Jesus shares is be a good person and get a reward. Or just do a few nice things and pat yourself on the back and, you know, job well done. But then with all that's been going on in our world and in our nation, with the national awareness to racism and the LGBTQIA plus community and and gun violence and women's reproductive rights, doing a nice thing here and there just, just doesn't quite seem to cut it for me right now. Martin Luther King Jr. once mentioned that the the Good Samaritan deserves a deeper look and, and greater scrutiny as someone who was merely concerned with helping temporarily, soothing the effects of evil for a moment, for one person, without going farther to work on uprooting the roots of why evil happens. Is it enough to help one person on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho when that road is filled with robbers all the time? Is it enough to patch up one person and move on, patting ourselves on the back, knowing that there will be many others hurt if nothing is done about that road? It's why I get so frustrated as a pastor when I hear another person, whether it be uh, an everyday normal person or a politician or a community organizer, or yes, even pastors have done this, and I've done it in the past as well, but responding to someone's pain or need by saying, well, you're in our thoughts and prayers. As if that's going to stop something from happening again. Or maybe it's the way this parable lends itself to some, I don't know, messed up comparisons, right? Levite and priest, bad. Samaritan, good. I mean, what if the Levite or the priest were on their way to Jerusalem or Jericho for an important meeting that's going to help stop crime on that road? What if they're going to feed the hungry or to support families who are in desperate need right at that moment, and they couldn't stop. I mean, maybe like you and I on those days when we're really busy, and we just don't have the time to pull over. Well, maybe they're not so evil then. We just don't know. I mean, maybe it's all that and and more. Like I said, all this can be confusing. And if we look at just any of the details that we want to see, we can twist this parable into whatever we want it to be. I'm going to tell you, I usually try to keep my frustrations with a Bible reading myself, but I couldn't resist on bringing you all into this as well. (laughs) Share this with me. So what do we do with all of this? What do we do with this story that so often seems so cut and dry that we just kind of breeze over it without even thinking anymore? That we just go, oh, yep, that's a good reminder, be nice. I think there are two things. I know there are two things that floored me this week. Two things that stood out to me that I hadn't noticed before, and honestly, it's probably changed how I will forever look at this parable of the Good Samaritan. The first has to deal with this. Uh, I, I tend to think that the guy in the ditch is my neighbor. And I think there's good reason for that. After all, the story is in response to that lawyer's question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus confronts him with the need to define neighbor, not in terms of of who lives closest, like who's in our neighborhood, or those who might look like us or speak like us, or 
but instead the person who's in need. And it's helpful as it calls us to put another's needs above all other considerations, something that we are sorely and desperately in need of in our society these days. Amen? It's not often people are thinking of other people first. But what hit me this time is the closing lines with the chat between Jesus and the lawyer and how Jesus flipped the idea of uh, of neighbor around. Jesus asks, which one of these three, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, which one of those is the neighbor? And the lawyer responds, well, it's the one who showed him mercy, right? And so suddenly, it's not just the person in need who is our neighbor, but also the person who responds to our needs. Even if it's someone that we don't expect or someone we really didn't want to respond to our needs, that that person is a neighbor as well. And maybe that's part of the point Jesus was trying to make by using a Samaritan as the one who is the neighbor helping the neighbor. Now back then, Jews and Samaritans were mortal enemies. All the way back to the Old Testament, when the Samaritans didn't welcome God's people. And from that moment, it was oil and water. They were the worst of the worst against each other, right? So Jesus says, the Samaritan is the one who showed mercy. The Samaritan, the enemy, is the one Jesus calls a neighbor. So could the lawyer accept help from a Samaritan? Someone he's been raised to despise? Could we? So like I said, Jesus does this complete 180 on us here the whole time, getting us thinking that, well, the person who's in need is the neighbor. That this is all about helping others, being kind to people, going the extra mile for someone in need, when suddenly, right at the end, Jesus says it's also about being helped by others. That that's what makes you a neighbor. That Jesus is inviting us to identify with each other most importantly in terms of our vulnerability and our shared human need rather than the differences we have. Do you hear that? You and I are being taught to see what makes us different and to hate each other. And to this Jesus says, okay, first of all, <laughs> it's our job to help those neighbors in need, but it's also our neighbors who help us. And so we have this commonality from the get-go. We are human together. We are in desperate need constantly of help, of being vulnerable, of being bound together in our morality. What matters is that we are human first. Amen? Not where we live, or what party we identify with, or what group we belong to, or any other distinction that may matter to us, to use any of our differences to reduce our very humanness is not from God. We are all family together. As dysfunctional and messed up as we are, <laughs> this parable screams for us to see each other as kindred, as neighbors, as sisters and brothers first. I've told our boys more than once, you don't have to like each other as brothers, but you have to love each other. Right? 
Which, I don't know if that's starting to backfire or not, because now my three-year-old is coming up saying, Dad or Mom, I don't always love you. <laughs> it's like, no, okay, no, 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 no. You don't have to like me, but you have to love me. <laughs> but I think that's a great reminder to us in this story. That sometimes we're the one who gets to help others. Sometimes we're the one who gets helped. And in that, there is a shared commonality. That we are broken together. That we are human together. Despite what you think of each other, there is a call to love one another first. So that hit me right between the eyes. I think that's a a message that I hadn't found in that reading before. The second thing that hit me that I'd never noticed before What is the question the lawyer asked again? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And when he responds to Jesus by quoting Scripture, right, to love God with all of my heart, soul, might, and to love my neighbor as myself, Jesus says, yes, do that, and you will live. Do you hear the distinction? Notice Jesus doesn't say, do this and you will inherit eternal life or you will live forever or you'll join me in heaven or any other hundred of things that he could have said that fits the lawyer's question. Instead, Jesus says, okay, you're talking eternal life. You love God, love others, do that and you will live. Which makes me think that life Kingdom life, the life that Jesus came to bring, isn't something to possess or strive for or earn by doing enough good things, but it's something to be lived, to be acted out, to be embraced right now. Not something that will happen in the distant future, but something that is about right now. That's where Jesus brings it back. To live in the kingdom of God is to see others with compassion, to see others as fellow members of God's kingdom and family, to see others in terms of how we are all joined by our need, by our possibilities, by our shared dependence on God's grace and each other. If and when we can start to see that together we live in this vulnerability and need, when we see in this parable that We can be the neighbor who helps like the Good Samaritan or just as easily be the one left on the side of the road beaten and left half dead. I don't know about you, but I felt like that before in my life as well. So what I hear Jesus sharing today is that we have a God who is deeply concerned with how we treat each other, how we help each other flourish, how we live together in mutual care for one another right here and right now, not what we hope to do someday, but to get busy living right now. Which tells me that God is less of a ruler than a parent. Less lawgiver than lover. Less a rule enforcer than the one who desires all good things for God's children. And perhaps God's, uh, Jesus' entire ministry, including His death on the cross, was to demonstrate God's tremendous love for us and God's burning desire that we similarly love each other, even if and when we have a hard time even liking each other. Notice our text didn't say the Good Samaritan became friends with the person. (laughs) They didn't go out to eat or have lunch together after that. But there was love 
And that took precedence first. Dear ones, may may God give each and every one of us a new set of eyes this week. Eyes that look past our differences. Eyes that see our shared humanness, our vulnerabilities. See how fragile we truly are. See how we're all in desperate need of God's love and each other's. I'll tell you what, looking at our media, our conversations we have with family or friends, all the broken relationships that are around us, this is not an easy thing. It's not easy to look beyond the things that annoy us most, the things that make us different from someone else. I feel like I can't look at the news without feeling some kind of anger at someone lately. Can you believe this person did that? And today I hear Jesus saying, let me tell you who your neighbor is. It might just be the one that you don't like, the one who think, or who you think might be your enemy. That could be your neighbor. Your neighbor could be helping you. But in the midst of all of that, may we see that we are together. Because today Jesus offers the promise, do this and you will live. You will find life. You will find new life. Not only with those relationships that will form between you and your neighbor or your neighbor and you, but also within yourself. We need that new life in us each and every day too. Because the moment that we fall prey to the traps set before us out there, we too get bitter and angry and frustrated and we want to give up. I've had so many conversations over the past months of people who are either fed up with Christianity or, or the right or the left or you name it. And the choice is always, well, I'm walking away. Which doesn't solve anything. May this be an invitation for each and every one of us, myself included, to have new eyes today. To see that our neighbor, the one that we are called to be in relationship with, may not be the one that we choose. But through that, through seeing each other's vulnerability and humanness, there will be new life. And that changes things. God uses that to bring newness, to restore relationships, to get people wondering, Wow, I can't believe they were still nice to me after I was a jerk. That changes life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we can't thank You enough for this day, for this Word. As simple as this story might seem on paper, Lord, and and there's so much more than even I could cover. May we dare to look at Scripture and Your promises and invitations in a new way today. That we can see one another in a new way. That we can dare to look for how we are common. How we are human. How we are vulnerable together. 
send your spirit to open our hearts and our minds to new possibilities, to reopen bridges that have been burned, to dare to live your invitation to understanding our neighbor in a new way. Give us rekindled hope and the potential of newness in every moment. We ask all this in your holy and precious name and all of God's people say, Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able. And for our prayers this morning, once again, uh, I'm not going to do them for you. I'm going to invite you to be a part of these prayers. And so I'm going to give you the topic or the theme, and then you say on your heart what's on your heart and give that to God today. Okay? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough for the gift of today. We thank you for the new life, the new opportunities that are around us all the time. Just open our hearts to seeing them. Lord, we lift up to you all the people and things going on in our lives and in our world. We offer them to you today because they're too heavy for us to carry. So Lord, we begin our time together. We pray for God's people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for creation and for nature. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are overlooked or oppressed. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are hurting or in need of healing today. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for ourselves and we lift up what's going on in our personal lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Since we have such great hope in your promises, O God, we lift these and all of the prayers on our hearts to you in confidence and in faith. As we now pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I invite you to take your seats and to take out your communion kits, or for those of you at home, take out your bread and your wine or grape juice. 
as we prepare our souls and our very bodies to receive the gifts of Jesus Christ. In the night in which He was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to His disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is My body, and it's given for you. Do this for the remembrance of Me. The body of Christ given for you. Amen. And again after supper, He took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood, and it's shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of Me. The blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you this day and keep you always in God's grace and all of God's people say, Amen. Finally, it's important we ask for your financial support today. None of the ministries, the amazing work that King of Kings does is possible without your generosity. Uh, and every little bit adds up to make something profound. I'll give you a great example. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, we not only raised enough to uh, help build four wells uh, for clean water in Africa, but we've also raised just over $1,200 to go towards our meals for Kids Against Hunger in addition to our offerings. So for all of this, I cannot thank you enough for your generosity and for the effect that you will have on all these people. Finally, may you receive this blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of His hand. Amen. Yeah, God is good. This week, people of God, may you be given new eyes to see your neighbors, to see yourself as a neighbor, and to know that God is there for you. With all that said, go in peace and share the good news. Thanks be to God.